Welcome to the Deviant Gentleman Podcast. My name is Shane Vitko. Uh, Tommy Vext, my co-host, is currently recording. Um, and in the studio with me, I have Sean Buck Rogers. What's up, dude? Good to see you, man. Um, so, Sean and I had uh, talked a few times on, on Instagram, and he was supposed to come out... Um, a couple of weeks ago, and then we had that crazy Houston Norista, and uh, flights got downed and all that shit, so we had to reschedule. So, uh, yeah, man, it's it's good to get you out here. So, tell me a little bit about um, what's happening, what's going on with you, who you are, who the fuck are you? <laughs> that fucking Boston, who the fuck are you? Dude, that's awesome. It sounds like, uh, I feel like, oh, what's that movie? You probably get it all the time. The Ted? Town. The Town? Oh, the town, Ted. yeah, yeah, yeah. Ted, wow, yeah. dude. <laughs> I'll take the town over Ted, but everyone always gives me Ted, and I'm like, fuck, dude, am I not cool enough to be, like, the town reference? <laughs> yeah, I'll take the town, dude. That's way better. Um, but, yeah, so, you know, prior special forces. Um, in- That's something I was going to ask, not to cut you off, but yeah. do you guys prefer, uh, prefer? because I just say, like, I'm, I'm former army, right? Because I'm not, like, uh, uh uh, ex army because I'm not ex army. I'm former. So, is right. what do you? What's the preferred term? Because I feel like you know, to me, getting the blue cord and in infantry was great. Never mind going the mile and doing selection and Q course, and then you know becoming uh, a green beret. So, is it is prior? Yeah, I just I just say prior, prior former whatever. Um, you know, Marines are they're like once Marine always Marine. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, they just yeah. stay that way, but. I just say prior, dude, and right. uh, yeah, that that tips. Shit, let me out of this. Yeah, get settled in. Take your fucking shoes off if you want. <laughs> but yeah, so that's I just say prior, dude. Right. Yeah. Um, okay, so prior prior special forces, mm-hmm. and you did well, Green Beret. Uh, how long were you uh, active? So I did eight years. Was it, yeah, it's about eight years, and then I did one guard year. Which I never showed up to. Right, right. Like the IRR kind of thing? No. So I was actually signed up. I was supposed to be um, like pre-selection cadre for guys in the guard that were going to go to selection. And I was, but at the same time, I was in the police department uh, going through training. And so I was just fucking stressed out of my mind trying to like pass all that shit and deal with that. So I just told them, I was like, look, guys, like, yeah, I can't give up my weekends because I'm a fucking studying like street rotations and shit because I'm lost all the time. And so they were just like, it's cool, man. Like, you don't have to show up. Um, and how many tours did you do? Uh, two. Two to Afghanistan. Um, so, uh, and you just wrote a book called Rising Above, right? Yep. So, uh, which I actually read. And uh, yeah, dude, it's it's a trip sometimes. And it's like, because I read that prior to meeting you in person. So it's like, I get to paint this image of like, how you think what's going on for you. And it's crazy how much shit that I can relate to and go like, fuck man, I remember feeling that same exact way, but we'll get to the book. But, um, but what you did mention about was like how, you know, you got fucked in the beginning and ended up going in as a cook real yeah. t- That's a real hardcore job. Um, <laughs> but, but the book you, did you end up having to go back to Benning for AIT for infantry? No. So, so just when you went to the sergeant, the command sergeant major, and then you shipped, and and then just went to uh, selection and did it everything from there. Huh? Yeah, yeah. Fucking weasel. <laughs> uh, no, that's cool. Yeah, all man. the infantry guys are like, man, fuck. Yeah, you. yeah, right. Uh, I remember like when I was going through basic, and uh, after we were done with uh, CBT, um, you know, guys were coming in from from other units now to do the AIT so that they could get, uh, you know the blue cord and, and, and get the infantry shit. 
Um, so, uh, okay, so special forces, and then uh, you got out and then decided? Law enforcement. Okay. Yeah, so, I mean, like like most vets, dude, it's like you feel pigeonholed, and you're, you, you think that you should do something because you're good at it, right? And I, I think that's like a, an unfortunate, like, misconception about just people in general. It's like we, we fall, we find something that we're good at. And so we do it and, and kind of like forget the fact that whether or not it makes you happy. Um, so that was kind of my mindset getting out. I was like, well, what am I good at? I was like, I don't know, fucking know. I'm 18 Bravo. Like I, I liked war. I was pretty decent at shooting at people and, you know, not getting hit you know, the best I could. So I was like, fuck it. I'll go into like the three letter agencies. I'll try for them. Um, so I finished my bachelor's before I got out and then, Start applying to FBI, CIA, uh, Secret Service, and then the police departments, and um, which that was a fucking shit show on its own. Like, so what happened with the letter agencies? None of them. Uh, well, they were just too fucking slow, dude. So it's like I I took the FBI test and passed, and then they invited me to the next um, phase of that testing. I took Secret Service. Secret Service actually failed that one. Um, I failed the polygraph. For the Secret Service. You get an audio? Did it just cut out again? I can see us flickering on the bottom, but it didn't look like the top was moving. But we're good. All right, my bad. So, uh, move too slow. Yeah, so the, the the FBI, I took the test, and then, you know, it just, it takes too damn long. And I'm like, I'm, I got to get a fucking job. Like, I got to pay my bills. I'm getting out. And then um, Secret Service, they were going to put me straight into the counter-assault team um, because they they had a new program they were doing where they're going to go, if you were prior special forces, you can go um, counter-assault, like, a different hiring process. You'll do six months as a Secret Service agent, and then you'll go – um, straight to the counter assault team to their selection and all that stuff. So I was like, fuck yeah, that'd be cool. So I started doing the testing for that. They fucking hooked it up. They're like the agents that were on the counter assault team were super cool dudes. And we're, I felt really good about it. And then I go to the fucking, um, polygraph and she just fucking, I hate her and she hates me, dude. (laughs) Like it was a bad experience. So she's like, um, during the pre, I don't know how much, uh, you're allowed to talk about polygraphs and if you sign off on their shit, but I don't know. It ain't going to affect me. So that's your fucking. Yeah. No. <laughs> but it, so we'll just say that, uh, we did not see eye to eye and she pissed me off by using, um, you know, my bracelet and dead friends against me. And that just fucking floored me. So I was like, fuck you. And then she's like, you know, I can't get a read on you. I'm like, that's your fucking problem. Mm-hmm. So needless to say, she ends up failing me. Uh, but I don't hear anything back. You know, you're supposed to get like a better qualified applicant letter. I never got it. So I just moved on from that. And then um, the police department, it was just consistent, man. They were just like, hey, two weeks, next step, two weeks, next step. And then I did their polygraph, you know, expecting the same kind of fucking nightmare. And it was just like, ask me the questions, good to go. And it was chill. So Really, the the police department kind of won out based on their hiring practices being, like, routine and in line and, you know, just more organized. 
Well, based on our trauma and need and instant gratification. Yeah. <laughs> right? Like, dude, because uh, it's funny. Oh, shit. Hey, babe, come shut the fucking door, will you? Um, uh, when I joined the Army, it was the same thing. Like, originally, I wanted to be a Marine. That was it. Like, everyone I knew was a Marine, blah, blah, blah. So I'm like, I'm going to join the Marines. So I went to see the recruiter, and it was like, I'm like, I have a GED, and I have, like, charges pending, and they were like, uh, you know, stay away. Yeah. And, uh, and then I went to the army and it was just like, yeah, great. Come on in. You know, and it's like before, and, and like you said, it was always in touch with me and one step, one step, one step shipping off, Boom. you know, where the week before I was leaving for basic, the Marines called me back and said like, oh, Hey, it turns out like it's cool and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, dude, I'm already shipping off. Like I, you know, fuck you. Like I, I wanted to do that and you didn't take the chance. So like I went with who was ready right now, yeah. you know, um, and then that gets grounded real quick when you get to the military and it's just hurry up and wait all the time. So that instant gratification shit goes right out the door. Go on. Um, okay, so um, let's talk about some shit. So uh, uh, so tell me about the nickname, Buck. I know, but tell tell everyone how, how we get called yeah, so, Buck. So uh, when I got to Special Forces, I got to the team room and, uh, you know, I was expecting – a warm welcome being the new 18 Bravo. And I was all happy to be there and shit. And I was like, fuck yeah, this is going to be legit, dude. It's my new family. And I walk in and, and, uh, you know, there's like five or six GBs all in there sitting there and they won't even fucking look up when I walk in the room. So I'm just, I introduce myself. I'm like, Hey guys, I'm the new 18 Bravo on the team. Like, how you doing? And they just looked at me like a piece of shit. <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is how this is going to go. And then finally, after a couple minutes of ignoring the fuck out of me, the uh, Tony, um, he's like, talk to that fucking dude. And he's the team sergeant. Talk to him. So I went to the team sergeant. I was like, hey, man. Uh, or I was like, hey, sergeant, master sergeant. I was standing at parade rest and shit, trying to be all respectful. And I was like, uh, he's like, what's your name? And I was like, Sean Rogers. And he goes, Rogers? Like, Buck Rogers? And I was like, are you fucking kidding me? <laughs> That's... Yeah, like Buck Rogers. I was like, that's hilarious, dude. What and Buck Rogers? I I I think I listened to it on your podcast because I didn't know, but it's from Dick Tracy. I I guess, man. Yeah, there's like a character named uh, or there's a yeah, it's a character named Buck Rogers. And I've looked him up a couple times, like just to see, and I don't fucking because what it I get from it, time. right? Like what I get from it is immediately I would just start calling you the Winter Soldier always. Because I think about Marvel and you got Bucky and then you oh, had yeah, Captain America <laughs> was uh, Steve Rogers or whatever the fuck. So you're yeah. basically like a mix of Captain America and the fucking Winter Soldier, you know? I get that a lot. People are like, you're Captain America before he goes into the chamber. <laughs> right, right. And I'm like, fuck you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All scrawny and shit. Yeah, the little pussy Captain right, right. America. Uh, that's good. Um, uh, so let's talk about, um, we'll get to the book too, but let's talk about um, some veteran stuff. So why do you think, uh, so many veterans stay away from actually getting or doing some form of therapy? Uh, I think a lot of them, and we're talking about while they're in or after they get out or because I mean, at, while, while I'm in, no, I'm not doing that right. period. That's a, that's like being in prison and like, I'm going to work on my feelings. Not happening, dude. You know, like it just, it's not, you know yeah. what I mean? It's not realistic. So, you know, I mean, back when I was in, there was no medication or anything like that. Whereas now I feel like that's more of a welcomed thing with taking meds and shit. But yeah. I, I didn't see that ever when I was in. 
Yeah. Well, now I feel like they just pump. All they want to do is pump you full of fucking meds. Dude. Well, that's what the VA is down to do also. you know. Any doctor, man. Like yeah. any doctor, though. Like I went to a psych for a while and, um, you know, I could tell she hit a wall and was just like, you need you need meds, you know. And I'm like, fuck, dude, I don't want to fucking take all these meds. Yeah. And then I go to the doctor and he just, he's, he's like, you need this one and this one. And, this. and then you go to another doctor, like prescribed by that doctor. They're like, hey, you need to see this person because they specialize in this. And then they start prescribing you different shit. So it's like they're not even communicating uh, all the shit that they're trying to give you. But my personal opinion, I think, um, especially while guys are in, because I notice in special operations that it's so normalized because we all have it. Most of us have it that we don't even realize we have it, right? So it's like everyone in the fucking team room has got the same issues. So how do you know that it's an issue? If you're just like the guy to your left and you're just like the guy to your right, how the fuck do you know you got a problem? So for me, I didn't realize that I had, you know, any kind of things going on until I got out and I started, you know, a job that was similar, you know, the police department. But these people haven't, you know, some of them have. There's a lot of ex-military, but there's a lot of a lot of them that weren't ex-military. And I'm seeing that their behaviors and the way they act and things like that, and I'm like, these guys have, I'm not even fucking close to that person. Like I'm, I'm getting into fucking road rage incidents, wanting to run people into the fucking barrier, just driving into work, you know? And, and these people are like, it's, it's just not the same. They're like calm, cool and collected. Like fucking everything's gravy. And my, you know, you stand too close to me and my heart rate's going through my fucking throat you know i used to be so envious of that when i would like even when i was in the can dude and i had this one friend and i'm like bro how do you not get upset by shit and he's like i just don't let it bother me and i'm like man that's fucking a magic trick how do you know where did you pick that up because i missed that fucking memo yeah you know same because it's the same thing where it's just like i i never had this pause or like this i'm starting to get angry i either was okay or i wanted to fucking murder you yeah and maybe not even stop there keep going until i got tired or something you know yeah. what i mean but like <laughs> there was just nothing in between of like i'm really getting upset now you yeah. know and it has taken many years and a lot of stuff to get me to a place where i i feel like i still even fail sometimes where 100%. you know i i mean and it's over the littlest shit too and it just happens to be a day and it's like i try to make sure i'm taking all these steps to work out and do these things and and do readings and do all these things that i do that have proved you know reliable in this past two and a half years i've been sober and even still i fall short and then what happens then i'm my own worst critic i'm a piece of shit i knew i'm lying to everyone i can't be in this nice community being a citizen i'm a fucking lunatic and i belong in a fucking cage because i'm not like you you know and then it's like i got to remember well, let's, that's being black and white thinking. And let me remember how much I have accomplished and where I am. And I do deserve to be where I am. And I'm a fucking human. And it's okay for me to still get upset as long as I'm not uh, acting out, right? So right. like, I, I, and I tell people this too, where it's like, I can't control my thoughts. My thoughts. So someone cuts me off immediately. Like, I'm going to fucking beat this motherfucker with a tire iron. But I don't. I am responsible for how I react to my thoughts. Right. You know? Well, I mean, you hit the nail on the head, dude. But I'm in the same boat. It's And I just did a video on this. It was called, uh, you know, You Messed Up or something like that. And it was just, just talking. I woke up that morning thinking about it and just ranted about it. It's like, fuck, dude. 
we have to start giving ourselves some credit. We can't every time we make a mistake, cause dude, everything you say is like exactly what I do. I'll flip out. And then I'm like, I just beat myself into the ground about how terrible I am and how I'm fucking it up and how every, yeah, you feel like your whole life is an imposter syndrome. You get that imposter syndrome, like your whole life is fake and you've just kept this facade up up until that point. Just holding on yeah. for daylight, life, <laughs> yeah. doing the best I can to yeah. just blend in with Harry and, and fucking Jen down the street. You right. Know? Like it's gotten to the point of like in grocery stores, I can't go to grocery stores on weekends. And that sounds ridiculous, but I can't it's fucking, much. I can't be in there. And so my wife will ask me, like, if I go to jujitsu or something, she's like, on the way back, can you stop and get something? I'm like, what day is it? You know, so I work from home, so every day is a fucking Monday or every day is Saturday. And she's like, she's like, well, it's Saturday. I was like, honey, I can't. Because if I, go, and I, no shit, this was what happened. The last time she asked me, it was like three weeks, two weeks ago, three weeks ago. She said, can you stop and get something? I was like, yes, I'm feeling good. I'll stop and get something. I got in that grocery store and like it was fucking packed and there's no room for this guy. He's walking towards me and my heart rate starts going up. I'm like, you can't fit to my left and right. So stop walking. Why are you still fucking walking towards me? And he just keeps coming. Like I have to get out of his fucking way so he can walk past. Like, fuck you, dude. And, and like instantly I fucking dropped. I dropped the, the uh, cart. And I walked out. I said, fuck you. I can't do this. And I, I had to tell her, like, I'm sorry. I didn't get what you wanted me to get at the store. I couldn't do it. And she's like, fuck. But, you know, she has to, she starts, she understands. But it's still hard, right? Your husband can't stop and grab some fucking milk and something at a grocery store on a weekend. But, dude, I, I don't it, understand people. It took me a lot. The grocery store thing was uh, big for me. And I think not only... Because of the military, but because of prison, because there were so many choices where for seven years I had only so many things to decide, right? Now I go to the supermarket and there's fucking 50 different cereals, 27 different kinds of milk, almond milk. I didn't even know you could make milk out of a fucking almond. And I would get overwhelmed because I'm like, I, you know, so it got to a point where I was like, I need a fucking list to go in, target what I need and get the fuck out of Dodge, right? I need the list. It cannot be while there's a bunch of people there. Like it got to the point where I would have to go in there with a list and have my girl with me and like rubbing my back like that. It, you know, it's yep. cool. You know, uh, it was a very, very stressful thing. And I, I and I've talked to a lot of vets and a lot of people that have had that same kind of struggle. And I think I think, though, also, it's one of those things of like, you know, and, you know, this mindset of like, it's almost like, oh, so you're telling me that I can't do this. Okay, well, fuck you, right? So how do I learn to do this? How do I learn to be in a movie theater? How do I learn to go out to eat and not have to sit somewhere with my back against a wall, making sure I can see the doors and shit, you know? And I think it's like these small things of like, I'll go to a small restaurant when there's not a lot of people there and stop there and, and give it a whirl and see what happens, right? Mm -hmm. And I mean, and that's kind of something that I was gonna, we're gonna touch on in here too about hypervigilance, but... um getting back to the original thing of why you know and i this really started to dawn on me when i mean i remember going to the va and going to see a therapist and i guess my my real biggest thing was that 
most of the therapists that go to the VA, for you to get one that's an actual there and has been there for 20 years, you're on a list for 15 years. Mm -hmm. So what you get is these ones that are getting their hours or whatever, and they're on rotation. So now you mean to tell me I'm in there with this lady and we've been working and now we're just getting to my mother's death. We haven't even got to the military yet. We're just getting to my mother's death. And now it's, hey, I'm rotating out. You're going to meet with someone new. Hey, man, fuck you. Right. Because I still didn't have that separation. You're abandoning me. You're abandoning me and you're going to leave me just like everyone else in my life. Fuck this. I should have never fucking came here. I'm out of here. You know, instead of having the perspective of like, okay, well, now I get like a a new start with somebody else and I've kind of gone through all this stuff. So instead of starting at the very, very, very beginning, let me maybe start midway so that by six months we can actually get to doing some stuff, you know. And when I first, I went to uh, MVP out in in LA, which was uh, Merging Vets and Players, and uh, I reached out to this kid and I went to this event and, you know, I I heard all these, you did a workout and then after you kind of sat around and talked and uh, um, I just remember everyone being like, you're never going to catch me going to therapy, you're never going to catch me doing this and I just, I, I, inside I just went like, I'm I'm so grateful I don't think like that anymore, you know, because for the longest time it was, my thing was, if you haven't walked in my shoes, if you don't know what I'm talking about, I don't want your goddamn advice. Stay the fuck away from me to where I finally got to a place where I was like, okay, I definitely need those people in my life. When I talk military stuff, I want to talk to somebody who's done it. When I talk to prison stuff, I want to talk to somebody who's done it. But what I also learned is that if you went to school to learn how my brain works and why I like drugs and alcohol and why I've made decisions I've made and how trauma can affect me, I'm willing to also hear that too. But that didn't happen for me for a long time. And I think a lot of people get stuck on that of like, you don't look like me. You don't know, you know, even as like, oh, you were in the military, but you were a fucking, you know, you were in the band. Nah, see ya, dude. You know what I'm saying? And, and I, I get it, you know. Um, but I think that's, a big reason why people are, uh, you know, all, that also leads to, you know, why men in general, never mind ones that have uh, served, is is crying and experiencing emotion. Oh, my God. The only emotion I know is fucking anger, anger. and it doesn't hurt, you yeah. know? Yeah. And, well, I think even now, like, having done therapy and knowing the, the benefits from it, I still don't seek it out. Because it's like, I know I need it. I know I need more of it. Um, but we find that we have to stay in our comfort zones as much as possible in order to like try to live like everybody else and, and do what everyone else can. But there are certain things that you have to like expand to make in your comfort zone. And talking to people needs to be one of those things. But um, have you? Do you have any experience with neurofeedback? No. So one thing that I'm a huge advocate for and I tell any vet I can is that there's a website called Homecoming for Veterans or homecomingforvets.com.net.org. I don't know. Put in Homecoming for Vets Mm. and something should come up. Uh, And I had someone when I went to treatment uh, this last time years ago, I had this, there was this uh, neurofeedback uh, clinician that worked there and and she was big into the brain and all this stuff. And it it interested me because I had never met someone like this before. And she kept telling me, and thank God she was as adamant as she was because she'd be like, did you reach out? And I'm like, no. Hey, did you check out that website? I'm like, I will, right? Until finally she was like, 
will you right now go on your phone and go to that website? And I'm like, all right, all right. And I went and, uh, they do. It's free, man. It's free for veterans. This is something that we're talking is like two fifty to three. I know people that have done it privately that that have talked to me about it that aren't veterans. Two fifty to three hundred an hour to do this shit, right? And here's what sold me on it was I went to her office and sat down with her nicest lady, and uh, she's like, "I'm gonna have you watch this video." So she shows me this video from the military, right? And this guy comes in, and this dude's done like fourteen deployments. Got TBI, been blown up three fucking times. I mean, he walked in, Sean, right? And when he starts talking, you're like, this guy is, he can't even form a sentence. Like, he was so fucking blown out of the game. Just like, uh, I'm like, oh, man. And you see two, three sessions go on, and, and he's, you know, agrees to be a recorder or whatever. And he's like, you know, I'm having... uh tons of anger and my wife and she's afraid of me and all this shit but at least he's starting to articulate a little bit mm. 10 sessions in it's like he's holding sentences down and he's like you know yeah and it's cool and i think i'm gonna apply for a job and blah blah, blah. by 20 sessions this dude's sitting here just like you and i having a conversation everything's great me and my wife blah blah, blah and i'm like what the fuck this guy was a borderline retard 20 seconds uh, 20 sessions ago and now look at this i'm like Fucking sign me up. Let's go, lady. Fire this thing up and let's do it. And it, for me, it was the the greatest re result with the least path of resistance. So where I have to sit there and talk about shit and talk about this and relive all this fucking shit that I don't, I pretend doesn't happen anymore. I didn't have to do any of that. It would literally be come in, check in, what's going on, how are you this week? And I'm like, you know, and at the beginning, I'm like, I fucking hate my life. I'm, this is crazy. I'm bananas. I'm going to kill somebody. You know, and, and you watch this thing and what happens is they they hook up all these things to your head and what it's doing is rewiring your brain. You're not getting shocked. Nothing happens. You watch it TV. Now they have it up to where in the beginning it used to be like this video game shit you had to play. Now it's like literally hooked up to Netflix. You pick what you want to watch. You put the office on, whatever, and let it run. And what happens is the screen goes from small to big. It kind of flashes a little bit. But like I have nerve damage in my face and I have like weird fucking ticks. And if you do any of that shit, the sound will go away and it kind of gets white. So what happens is even if it's something you've seen a hundred times, it's bothering you that it's going away. So now you're kind of focusing on, oh yeah, I got to not do that shit because the sound's going to go away. I mean, if I bite my lip, if I do anything, movements, it fucks up what I'm looking at, you know? So... And, uh, like, it's almost like th all I have to do is this. It's it. I just watch TV and fucking I don't want to murder people anymore. You know, <laughs> coupled with that, you know, I'm in the program and I'm, I'm working the right. steps and um, I'm doing breath work and I'm doing these other things. But I credit so much of neurofeedback as well as breath work um, to being such a game changer for me. And, and I didn't know about it, you know. So it's like how many people could this be saving that just don't know about it? Yeah, I've never heard of it. I, it sounds like something I would love to check out, especially I, I know too that I need to work on the breath thing. I was doing, I was doing pretty decent for a while. And then, you know, how it goes, you just start like slowly dropping things off. Um, but that sounds cool, man. I definitely think, cause it's, it's like retraining your brain. Yeah. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Because we pick up all these bad habits or, or our brains are wired to think this is it and that's it, you know? So to do that without actually anything, I mean, it, it fucked for me. It was a no-brainer, 
Yeah, you know? I mean, cool. you, you literally can go there and not talk about shit. You know, it's best to kind of be like, okay, so did anything you know happen? And in the beginning, it was like, yeah, like I flipped the fuck out. I, I kicked this kid's door in, and you know, I went bananas. It was another time. I this guy ate my food. I took it out of the fridge. I fucking whipped it against his wall, threatened his life, and I'm like, you know. And then as time went on, it was like. The worst thing was, was I was like, I did get a little upset today in traffic, but you know, what did you react now? You know, and it's like, again, I want to go like, I'm still a fuck up, but it's like, if we compare where I was 30, 60, 90 days ago to now, now we compare where I was two and a half years ago, never mind three or four years ago to where I'm at now. It's, it's the impossible, dude. I did the fucking impossible, you know? So if I could do it, why can't the next person? Right. You know? And I I don't know. If people truly understand what it means to be addicted to heroin, you know, like you say, I came back from it. I feel, I feel blessed just to have like been a cop to see people addicted to heroin. So I could, I've seen so many people like knee deep and just laying on the streets and, you know, sharing needles, helping, you know, anything they can to get that next shot. And I feel like the fact that like, people don't realize how big of an achievement that is for you to be sitting here right now for not, not to, to not be dead, you know, and to have kicked it and to be a healthy person. Like it's, it blows my mind. Like heroin do that. I tell, like, tell me about it, but I've seen what I've seen is, is terrifying. Dude. It's, it, it, it takes your fucking soul is what it does, you know? But the first time I get into that, like I started with the pills and shit first. And then it was like, you know, again, I'm that kind of guy where it's like, you know, let's not half-ass this. I don't want a bicycle. (laughs) I want a fucking motorcycle that does fucking 160 miles. You know what I mean? Like I I don't want to do kind of. I'm either fucking all in or I'm all out, you know? So when I got introduced to that, I know people that did it once, puked, and were like, this is disgusting. I'm never doing it again. For me, I was like, there's my mom. You know, like my mom died when I was six. And for me, it was the answers to everything. It was that warm embrace that loved me and nothing else mattered. Didn't matter if I had bills. Didn't matter I had no purpose. Didn't matter no one gave a fuck about what I did or who I was. Just nothing else mattered. And then now all that becomes like, I'd be in relationships and even family. And they're like, if you love me, you'd stop. And I'm like, I love you, but I love the needle more. So bye, you know, Mm. and that's it. I'm married to that motherfucker. That runs my life. That makes every decision for me. I wake up in the morning. If I don't have dope and I'm going to get sick, I don't give a fuck if it's your wedding day, my niece's birthday, I got a kid. It doesn't matter. All that matters is how am I getting at least $40 right now or $60 to go get shit, get high, and then it's like nothing ever happened. It's like you were never sick or nothing, and now it's like, okay, we gotta, what do we got to do? Go to a birthday party? We hanging out? Let's, you know, let's get the day popping. And every fucking day is like that where it's like until I get that, you know, it's like being a fucking, you know, diabetic where it's like if, until I get my insulin, I can't make any other choices, you know? And yeah. it's like, obviously they don't have a choice. And I, you know, I'm still of, of, I'm not of that people that's here to say that like addiction is a disease and all this shit and you're born with it. I, I, you know, I guess there's countless people that will prove it and say that it is. I think it's more of this like mental illness, right? Where like, I just due to the fact of not learning good coping skills, due to the fact of trauma, not having purpose, feeling sorry for myself, pity, all, I was a prime fucking candidate for, for drugs and alcohol because I, I got to be not on this planet, you know? I got to just go away. And then when you come off it, you just kind of go like, 
I'm a piece of shit and I don't stand a chance and blah, blah, blah. And it's like, I, I, I don't even know that I wanted to get sober. I know that I didn't want to live like that anymore, but I, I remember being at a point where I was just like, I don't want to do either. Just let me have a fucking brain aneurysm. You know, it's been cool. It's been a cool ride, but I'm out of here. Like fucking I'm done, dude. I don't yeah. give a shit. Like I, I don't want to be sober. I don't want to be, I just don't want to fucking do this anymore. And uh, because all I could focus on was just tragedy. Life is just one fucking tragedy after another. But is that true? No, is what I realized that sure is that a guy said to me the best out in L.A. was like, life doesn't happen to us. Life just happens. Right. So good things happen to shitty people and shitty things happen to good people. But so many times you want to take it personal and it's not fair and fuck God and fuck you and fuck the police and fuck this and fuck the army and fuck all you guys because you fucked me up, right? So it's like, what if, no, like it's just, you know, life happens and some shitty things happen, but can I not say that also some really fucking good things happened? And it, everything's perspective, man, and I've learned that from the program is changing my perspective because I can look at everything in a miserable light and then guess what? I stay miserable. So if I go into a miserable situation and go like, what's the something I can dig in here and find positive from? It changes my whole goddamn perspective. And that's for me. Like, I don't give a fuck about what it's doing for for you in this situation where it's like, how can I deal with this situation and be okay with me, you know? So I had tried to get sober a bunch of times, man. And then this last time around, it was just like, I just had no fucking wind left in my sails, dude. It was just like, but even when I got sober, I still, every time I get sober, go, now what? The fuck am I going to do? And really finding breath work became purpose. I finally found purpose of like, you know what, dude? I'm fucking good at this and I've helped a lot of people. If I can just get my shit together because I got in a few motorcycle accidents, so I, I relapsed and got all fucked off again. But once I stayed sober for a little bit and regained confidence, because even that, I was like, this isn't a real fucking job. Like, I'm pretending I can help people and, like, I can't even fucking help myself and blah, blah, blah. But once I kind of got some stability back in my life and remembered that, like, you know, the difference between being cocky and being confident. Why can't I be confident that I'm good at what I do? Doesn't mean I have to be like, hey, I'm the best and nobody's great at this. Nah, that's being a cocky dickhead. But going, hey, I'm good at what I do and I have something to offer you. If you want to do it, let's rock, you know? Mm -hmm. And, you know, breath work set that off. And then I got to this place of just like, why not me? You know, why can't I have a podcast? Why can't I start a clothing line? Why can't we start a tea business? Like, you know, it... So many people have ideas, but just go like, ah, it's not realistic. Well, it's not realistic because you don't fucking make it realistic. Yep. How many times I thought if I just sat around, someone would knock on my door and be like, do you want a million dollars a year? Yeah. Because we're looking for someone just like you. And I'm like, yeah, finally. Thanks for knocking. Nah, man, that's never going to happen. I mean, maybe, but. Well, and I think, I think now through, you know, your story and I think through my story, like we were talking about earlier, I think that people need stories like ours more than they need the fucking fairy tale. And I think to me, that's just, I don't know, maybe, maybe getting on TV or getting on, so, you know, social media before you had to be uh, this perfect person or something. But now it's like, we're so much more open to where anyone could get on and we could talk about our problems and people realize that shit's, we all are fucked up. So let's, let's talk about that shit. Let's like be okay with, getting in front of the spotlight and then fucking tripping and falling on yeah. your face and then getting back up and, and walking like, you, you know, 
Dude, I did a play in LA and forgot my lines. You know how fucking horrifying that is to stand there and go, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. And then <laughs> kick in and remember and like get through it. And it's like, you know, it, it, it's true because you, you, you take a shot. And I think, you know, the one thing that I've definitely can say is true is that the more authentic I am and stop worrying about, you know, if people like me and if I'm doing the right thing, it's like, I'm just me, man. You know? And like, I know I'm not for everybody and that's cool because guess what? Not everybody's for me. Right. You know? But yeah, I think we, we get so caught up and and when I, I had stayed sober for a year in LA, but I think that's a big reason as to why I relapsed because I was under the impression that I had to be this perfect model of society now and I don't swear and I never get mad and everything's perfect and I'm sober and welcome to the life of sobriety where everything's peaceful and we never say cunt and it's all great (laughs) and I don't get upset anymore and I was lying man I was lying so this time when I got sober and I'm like you know it turns out I can still do breath work I can still do all these things and I can still say fuck because I'm a goddamn human and where I came from like do I hear sometimes and go like Jesus I swear a lot where other people don't but guess what dude where I came from it's just the way it goes so like I'm a you know I don't know if product of my environment but that's how I grew up. And if the worst thing I'm doing is saying fuck too much on a daily basis, like, bro, Doing you, know, good. you are not, yeah, you and I are not alike. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Because yeah. like, it, it's really not that big a deal. Right. You know, people get so offended with words these days, even yeah. retard. Like I say, I'm like, dude, I don't know. Maybe it's different for us, but where I'm from, like, that's an all right thing. And I'm not, am I going up to special needs kids and being like, Hey, retard, ha No, dude. Like that's right. not realistic, you know? But to be like, oh, you can't say that. Fucking who says? Who says you can't say that? No one ever told. I never got that fucking memo when I grew up. Now, all of a sudden, you can't say it anymore. I'm not running around saying the N-word. Maybe once in a while, but, you know, not on on live TV. Um, All right. So, so, I know in your book, it says a little, you know, you talk a little bit about um, some stuff, and we've talked. Do you think that... You and I don't know how personal you want to get, but let's keep it real. Do you think that you are an alcoholic? Do you think that you're a problem drinker, or do you think none of the above? Oh, I have a problem with alcohol um, because, like, I just had to take a week to not, of not drinking to like prove to myself that I could not drink. And if you have to take a week to, of not drinking to prove that you don't have to drink, then you you got some kind of a problem, you know. So. That, you know, yeah, because like at night, dude, my thing is like, I'm good as long as I'm hustling and I'm working and getting shit done. The minute I run out of things to do and it's like five o'clock, I'm like, where's the beer? Let's fucking crack a drink and watch some TV and chill and drink beer. But it, the problem in, you know, we've we've a lot of us have made that kind of a normal thing. Right. So where it's like someone would look at that and be like a couple beers a night, two, three beers a night. you that's not a problem. You find, yeah, we all have to, but that's not the problem. The problem is if I, let's say I wake up in the morning and I'm like, ah, I'm not going to drink today. Come five o'clock. I'm like, where's the beer? So that to me is, that to me is a fucking problem because I have a hard time saying no to my five o'clock chilling and relaxing with the beer. Yeah. And I mean, that's the thing that you learn in recovery too, is that obsession. And that's what it is. The obsession of the mind, right? So if I'm going, I'm going to make it two days, but all I'm thinking about is six o'clock to hit on that second day. And as soon as that hits, I'm fucking drinking or using again. Then it's like, 
you know, it's, it's no longer that, like, I'm just going out to have, you know, I never understood going to a cookout and drinking beer. I think it's fucking disgusting to drink beer and eat food together, but I would do it. Because I'm like, it's a 4th of July party. Yeah, burgers and hot dogs and fucking cold Heineken. I'm like, this is disgusting. But and Heineken's fucking bogus. As soon as it gets one degree colder than it was when it left the, the case. And I got friends that have been holding them for 20 fucking minutes in the August heat in, in, in Boston. And they still love it. And I'm like, dude, that's so bogus. But I, And that's like, I think about these times of like where or I'm at work, right? And all I think about is... Once this day ends and I no longer have responsibilities to do, I'm getting high. And I justified that as like, well, what? It's my downtime. So it's like, I'm going to do it. But when you find out that like, first of all, most normal people have, have maybe haven't even smoked weed and only drink and have never touched hard drugs. And I'm like, holy shit. Uh, but uh, when those people just like, you know, go out and have a glass of wine and don't finish it and just leave it there and you go like, huh? Yeah, you know, it's like, who the fuck does that? Yeah. You know, and that's that's when I started putting things together, because even for me right now, you know, it's like alcohol was never my go to. But when I did drink, I was a binge drinker. I'm drinking until I black out, punch you in the face or fuck your girlfriend. You know what I mean? Or all three. But that's it. Like, I'm not going like, hey, let's just go get a buzz and then I'm going to go home. Motherfucker, we get a buzz. It's time to maybe get a, you know, some cocaine to keep this train rolling. <laughs> Where's there in after hours? And let's fucking, you know, again, I'm going to let's ride this motherfucker till the wheels fall off, till we get arrested, killed, overdose. Fucking let's do it, you know? <laughs> and, and I mean, that's how I did everything in such addictive behavior. You know, yeah. uh, even with my motorcycle, I had my therapist in L.A. tell me that I was subliminally trying to commit suicide. And I was like, yeah, fucking nuts. And then you go home and think on that and you go like, she could be onto something, you know. Well, I, I know that feel like when um, that's one of the things we talk about is the when I walked in on my first wife cheating on me and I, I went as fast as that car could go, you know, and it's just 100 plus miles an hour, like the entire way. I, sw I don't care if you're in the way or not. I'm not taking my foot off the pedal. You think you're just driving fast, and then you think about it later. You're like, "Yeah, I was, that's on purpose." Fucking reckless. You know? Yeah, but yeah. you're doing it on purpose. You know, yeah. you're, you're hoping something changes. Like you don't want to crash, but if it happens, at least it changes your situation 